Welcome to the show. We are tuned in for real-life stories with real-life people who have overcome adversity and healed their life. I am your host, Victoria Johnson, teacher trainer and coach trainer for the Heal Your Life Certification Program and best-selling author of Do That and Then Some Transform Feelings of Less Than to More Than Enough. As Louise Hay always said, the point of power is in the present moment, so let's get started. everyone, podcast listeners and viewers. We have someone back today by popular demand. I'm so happy to have her with us. Her name is Elizabeth Lewis. She was with us a few months ago and had so much to share. And I thought she'd be the perfect guest to bring on as we go through this challenging time in our lives right now because she does have a master's degree in science and positive psychology. Her subspecialty is in coaching psychology. And she's going to help us with our mindset as we go through this time, this, you know, this bit of interference or transition or whatever we want to call it as we are globally facing this pandemic. So Elizabeth Lewis can be found at elizabethlewis.com. That's elizabeth, L-O-U-I-S dot com. And I do want to say that she is someone who has brought together tons of scientific evidence that she's going to share with us in terms of our limiting beliefs, changing pathways in our brain. We're going to be talking about overcoming fear and anxiety and how do we stay positive when so many things around us are vibrating at that negative energy. And, you know, she really wants you to know that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And she's going to teach us some positive psychology tools that we can apply to our life right now. And I'm excited about that. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun last time, so I'm so excited. (laughs) Me as well. You know, it's one of those situations when you meet someone and you feel like you've known them forever. It's just when we found our tribe, right? Yes, yes, exactly. It's the best, especially when it's like in other cultures and other countries because it's like, ah, there's more of me. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's such a powerful thing to know too that we're not alone and that we are all the same. I want to talk about last time you were on, we talked about changing your brain by 90% in six months or less. Mm -hmm. And right now, a lot of us are doing everything we can to stay positive and to stay out of fear, but we're finding that we're still sliding back in. And maybe you can help us out with that a little bit or what would you like to share today? Yeah, I think mindset is really important. And, you know, to me, mindset is composed of our beliefs, our thoughts, our attitudes, behaviors, and our focus. And I think we forget the focus. I think it's fair to say we've all had this experience of, you know, we're focusing on a problem and then something beautiful happens and we shift our focus and all of a sudden that problem disappears because this joy is what we're overcome by. So I think a lot of this is we have to start to get intentional about where are we spending our mental energy because there's a choice. And I think people forget that there's a choice in everything. So it's first time, like, you know, to me, I see this COVID thing as much as a frustration because I, I, as I was telling you earlier, I don't get to do my Pilates, which I love so much. It's a beautiful time to just slow down and really work on a strong foundation, in my opinion. But I also understand for the extroverts out there who maybe need that social interaction where this can be a very hard time. But sometimes those challenges are what grows us to be better individuals. Yes, it is true. And I believe that, you know, globally, this is absolutely a reset. And it has allowed us time to kind of catch up with ourselves. You know, we, that never ending to-do list and all of that. 
So I'm just going to go there. So I'll be the test subject today. How does that sound? Okay, perfect. I, um, so I spent last week painting and uh, painting uh, my condo. And so my days were consumed with that. And my focus was on that. The TV wasn't on. I wasn't interacting with other people. I really didn't know what was going on in the world. It was great. I didn't have any anxiety. I didn't have any fear. I was just in this beautiful, loving little bubble. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the reality is for me and for many other people, this is a period in our life where we are not, we do not have money coming in. Right. But we still have expenses. We still have all those bills and everything. So, how do we keep our mindset in that painting little bubble? (laughs) I know. How, How do we stay in the happy place and not lay awake at night thinking about what bills needs to be paid and when is this going to be over? Yeah, so I think there's multiple layers to answer that question. First of all, when you were in your bubble, that was your reality. And you created those parameters to keep you focused and to keep you sane and to keep you feeling safe. And so I personally don't think that there's anything wrong with kind of keeping your distance from the news because if we're going to, you know, if we're being real, you're going to find out if something major is happening in the world, regardless if you ever watch the TV, you're going to hear it from somebody. And um, my background is also in television producing and it's all about sensationalism. So we want, you know, it's easier to think negatively than positive and we know sensationalism sells. So I think there's a level of where you have to just have a filter on how much of this is true because we don't really know. And I'm not saying that we're being lied to or any of that stuff, but I come from the practice of if I don't have 100% proof, this is just opinion that I'm getting. I don't know what's real, what's not. And I think, you know, around money and your bills, because you're right, you know, this is a, in a way, this kind of takes me to the Great Depression, right? Uh, the Spanish flu was one of the things that led into that. And people needed hope. They needed encouragement. That's why Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill came about and Norman Vincent Peale and others. So kind of using some of their wisdom, first of all, I very much am a firm believer. You need something bigger than yourself that's not a human to believe in. Humans will fail you. I think we've seen this time and time and time again. And you're going to fail yourself too. I mean, we're, we're, we're flawed. We live in a very imperfect world as we're also seeing. So if you can start to develop this time, and we've kind of been given this time too to say, hey, I don't really have much going on and it's a perfect time to really grow your spiritual walk. And so find something that you believe in, that you resonate, and then start to trust it. I think there's tons of books on the spiritual laws and self-fulfilling prophecies. And so if we can kind of get to a point, I had a mentor tell me this once, I didn't understand it for years, but if you can get to the point of where money is like, like oxygen, where you don't think about it, you just know it's going to come and be there, your life can change. It takes a while to adopt that mentality, but first you got to plant that mentality in your heart so it will take the time to grow, right? When we plant an actual seed into the soil, it's not like, bam, 30 seconds later it grows. No, it takes time. And so we have to kind of know that sometimes the actions or the movement that we're interacting with is going to lead us somewhere amazing. You have to have that trust. But I also think that thought control is really, really important. Here's the thing. And you tell me, has worry ever solved any of your problems? (laughs) Absolutely not. No. And you know, that's one of those big things that Louise Hay teaches, right? Stop scaring yourself. Really, which is what worry does. Yes. Yes. And positive psychology and even neuroscience would say, instead of saying stop worrying, because it's like that white elephant phenomenon, right? Yes. If I tell you to not think about it, we can't help it. We, it's like, don't look. Okay. I'll look. Oh, you, oh, not. Okay. Not look. Got it. And so what we want to do instead is get really clear on what you're going to focus on. Right. And so I do something where I kind of created seven overarching themes on what I'm going to think about. So if a thought doesn't resonate with one of the topics that I've outlined that I'm going to think 
think on consciously, then I just let that thought go like a moving uh, dark cloud. And I encourage other people because if we don't have those parameters, then it's just a free for all, right? It's like anything can come, anything can go. So can you give us an example of what those seven things might be? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I think of things that are noble or true. And in that case, an example would be, you know, there's a level of objective thinking we have to implement too. I think, I feel like from studying people from the Great Depression into today, we have become so opinionated and we take opinion as fact. And we don't take the time to research what we're told. If it's true or not, we're like, oh, did you see that? The elephant just flew. And now that's the spreading news. It's just like, last time I checked, elephants can't fly unless they're in an airplane and a cargo. We can be you know, <laughs> meticulous about this if you want to be that person. And so, you know, say that too. I was kind of writing an article today about how one of the reasons why we fall off our goals is because we write them down and we move on. Well, you got to engage with what you want. So if you want thought control, if you want to think on certain topics or only certain themes, then you have to start to engage with that goal each day by saying, I'm only going to think about things that are noble, true, admirable, pure, right, lovely, and of good rapport. I personally use uh, Philippians 4.8. Okay, please say that again. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'll say it exactly, but I think on things that are pure, noble, lovely, admirable, worthy of good rapport, excellence, and praise. So I kind of changed it that time. That's Um, beautiful. Thank you. Well, it's from Philippians 4.8. So I did not create that one. I just merged all the translations probably together and (laughs) said, hey, but it resonated because to me it was, oh, here's a parameter of what I need to think about. And I've said that I'm only going to think about those things every single day, multiple times a day since October. (laughs) And I can tell you, my worry is just not there anymore. And my negative thinking is even more gone from just saying what I'm going to do versus what I'm not going to do, right? There's an intention we set when we say what we're going to do. And so there's also the truth to your point of, you know, worrying does not solve anything. I mean, has worry ever added any value to your life? It's so true. And what it does is it takes away the joy of the present moment. And there's a statistic, you probably know what it is, that you know, 80 or 90% of what we worry about never actually ever happens. I think it might be even higher than that. I know. It's funny. I joke with people because I'm like, did anyone ever suspect or worry about a cold shutting the world down? I think we all <laughs> thought about zombies. <laughs> Yeah. I also think there's a valid point to kind of go a little deeper in that comment in the sense of things change. Things change quickly. And I think COVID-19 has shown us that too, right? I mean, there's just constant changes. Okay, we're going to work from home for this long. Now we're going to do for this long. So typically the things that we worry about change so quickly as well. And, you know, it's kind of one of those scenarios of problems only a problem when you decide it's a problem. Absolutely. And I love what you said earlier too about thinking about money is like oxygen, right? It just shows up. And I've proven that to myself in my life before where I took some time away from work to care for my parent. And I didn't worry about the money. I knew it would just show up. And I did. Because, you know, when you're on the right path, the money shows up. And so for those of you listeners who, like me, once in a while fall into that trap of worrying about the money, worrying about how is everything going to go, right? Worrying about the children's education or, you know, I think of all of these beautiful brides who've had to cancel their weddings, you know, all of of those things and just instead know that, you know, there is a divine plan in place and just keep breathing, keep moving through it, stay in that positive mindset. And when you do fall and you do have those negative thoughts, don't beat yourself up about it. It was just temporary. And, you know, you can make the choice to go back into the positive 
mindset. Yes. Yes. And I love that. That positive mindset is just as much a choice as that negative mindset. And sometimes we have to recalibrate and just look for the blessings. I recently got married this year, but I eloped. So I guess I was smart maybe, or lucky. I don't know, whichever one you (laughs) want to say. And what I realized, because I, I don't know, living in America, I personally feel like there's a lot of unspoken pressure around like having the ridiculously expensive wedding and everything's got to be perfect. And quite frankly, I think it's a ridiculous waste of money, but that's just my opinion. And what I realized was this isn't about the dress. It's not about the flowers. It's not even about the people. It's about the fact that you've chosen your partner and you found somebody that gets you and loves you and understands you and wants to put in that effort and you get to create a life together. That's what it's about. I think we forget that it's not the materialistic stuff. It's the relational stuff that really makes life amazing. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because let's talk about relationships a little bit. I don't know how it's been going with your clients, but with my clients, I'm hearing a lot of friction on the home front. People just together 24-7, you know, a little bit stressed. And so it brings out the best in people, but it also brings out a darker side in people. Mm -hmm. And do you have some advice on how couples can maneuver their relationship through a period where they are now both home together? Yes. First of all, there's going to be a large level of compromise. And if we're being real, there's compromise in everyday life too, outside of COVID referring to everyday life. But what I tell my clients is continue the same structure you had before. Do the same exact life. There might need to be tweaks, right? For instance, I used to get up in the morning and go to my Pilates reformer studio. Obviously I can't now, but I can still work out at home. I can still go on a run. I can still go on a walk. So I can still do the activity of exercise and then keep your schedule the best way you can and maintain that. Now, I also understand that some people have young kids and there's two working parents, in which case, most likely one partner is more of a morning person and one partner is more of a night owl. That's typically the case, not always. If it aligns like that, then what I encourage my clients to do is if you're that morning person, get up early, go on your run, do what you need to do, and then work the five hours. Because my understanding is most people are doing about five hours now. And I think we're also seeing you don't need to work as long when we're being undisturbed. Every company is going to be different, of course. So if you're the mom who's waking up early, go on your run or do your exercise thing, your morning thing, and then work until the kids would go and take their nap if they're young kids and then switch. It's really important to do it when the kids are going down to sleep. So you get that time to kind of recalibrate, unwind from work and then be mom or be dad, whichever you know person you are in that moment. And then, you know, dad can pick up his, his work shift and he can work for the five hours. And then that way there's that nice balance. But the more you create structure and a routine, the more sanity you're going to have. So compromise, figure out what's working and what's not working. One reason or one thing I've learned through my life is sometimes when I fear, feel fear or anxiety over doing simple tasks, like things that, you know, logically it's like, why am I feeling this? I realize sometimes it's because I'm unclear on what it looks like. So put your heads together. Two heads are better than one and brainstorm. How are you going to make COVID-19 the best experience of your life? How are you going to come out stronger, better, better mindset, more motivated? Because that's the focus here. Or you can come out weaker and worse. It's really your choice, but one's going to happen, not both hopefully. I love that. How are you going to make COVID-19 the best experience of your life so far, right? I love it. And because it really can be a time where families bond. I'm seeing lots of pictures on social media of 
families doing things together and so on. And uh, so I do appreciate you bringing the positive aspect to that. Yeah. And, and, and those are great tips, by the way. Thank you. And one thing that I've learned from my clients is most of their like bosses or supervisors are really understanding right now. I really think, see that the world's finally coming together and saying, okay, let's put our differences away and just focus on what we can. And so my understanding is that people aren't expecting the output that they would if it was typical life. And so cherish those moments because these parents with young kids, your kids are only going to be young once. Own it, love it, appreciate it, be more involved, right? Don't get frustrated by it. Just be flexible. And if you're not someone who's flexible, because I understand mental agility is, is, can be difficult for some people, this is your prime opportunity to learn how to become flexible. Wonderful tips. Thank you. What about the anxiety? What to do when anxiety hits? So anxiety is very much a product of fear. And fear is what you hope to not have happen in the future, essentially, right? And anxiety is a byproduct of that. And so one thing I encourage people to do is talk to your anxiety gremlin. You know, I don't know if you guys have Mucinex X, is that what it's called? Or Mucinex or whatever that brand is? I don't know. Well, there are these ugly little snot gremlins to be really real for a second. And that's what I make my gremlin look like just because I don't want my gremlin to be cute at all. I just want to be able to talk to it. And I tell them, well, first, let me take a step backwards. Be very clear about your values. You have to understand what's important for you to effectively talk to your emotions. So kind of going back to a few of my values, I value spirituality and I value exercise and health. And so I used to get anxiety about going to a new class. And what I would have to do is tell my little, and I'm going to use my highlighter as my little gremlin, I would kind of pick him up by the scruff because my gremlin wears a collared shirt. I don't know why, but he's like fat. So it's like, not doesn't cover his whole belly. So just to give you a real nice picture. And I just go, hey, little buddy, I hear you. I understand that you don't want me to do this class and you have these concerns, but I'm going to go ahead and do the class. At the end of the class, I will hang out with you more and we can discuss more ways around whatever your frustration is. And then I just place him to the side and I move forward. And if anybody has ever interacted with a two-year-old, it's kind of what we're doing, right? When two-year-olds have tantrums, they scream, they just want the attention. So does your gremlin. So when you just avoid it or ignore it, his tantrum just gets worse. And we see this with two-year-olds. And ironically, our emotions have the same emotional maturity as a two to three-year-old. So we have to learn how to talk to them from our spirit, not from our soul, if that makes sense. It really does make sense. And I think that you're taking your power back when you speak to your anxiety. You're letting it know, hey, just so you know, I am the boss here, but I'm not going to ignore you. I'm going to acknowledge you Mm -hmm. and we are going to move forward. Now, what about guilt? You know, there's so many spiritual people in the world who are feeling guilty because they do have some anxiety and some fear going on. And they're like, I should be perfect. I shouldn't be having any of these thoughts. Well, first off, let's just pop that balloon right there. You're not perfect. Somewhere, some way, you don't do something amazingly. And that's just the reality of it, not to you know, be rude or anything. So that kind of tells me if you're thinking, oh, I'm perfect, I shouldn't have this. I'm wondering how much your pride is creating more problems in your life. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you know, shame says I am bad. Guilt says what I did was bad. And so this is where we have to put that objective thinking on. Where's the evidence of what you did was bad? Did you hurt somebody? Did you cause pain to somebody else? Did you cause pain to yourself? You know, we can kind of go through the list of what we could really categorize as good or bad from that juvenile level of thinking we learn as kids. But typically it's because you're feeling like restless in something. Typically when I feel guilty or that guilt sensation comes on, it's because I feel like I did something I might've not been the best thing for me to do. And that's where you have to kind of 
get clear on where's the direction you're going. What do you want your life to look like? What are the paths you're walking on? Where are you being intentional? Where are you not being intentional? And what can you learn from this? So many people like, you know, fail or mess up or don't execute the way they were hoping and they kick themselves. Well, you can kick yourself, which isn't really productive if we're being honest, or you can identify all the areas where you could have done better or where you could have improved or where maybe, hey, if I had just not done this, maybe things would have been a little differently. Like use hindsight to look back and see, hey, what's causing me to feel guilty? What's causing me to not feel good enough? Where am I maybe projecting and feeling insecure and kind of putting that outward on this one thing that I feel guilty? Life is slow. We can be slow with life sometimes. But, and I really like what you shared about what can I learn from this? And again, you know, just always keep moving forward. Just keep getting back up and be practicing that self-compassion, the self-forgiveness. Yes the compassion for others, the forgiveness of others. We're all getting through this together. Yeah. Yes. So in the last couple of minutes of our podcast here, can you share with our Heal Your Life audience your experience of being exposed to the Louise Hay material and Louise Hay and You Can Heal Your Life, Dyer, all of those thought leaders? I learned about them. Well, I learned about Louise Hay, I think in my early 20s. She once had an app. I don't know if she still does. I can't seem to find it. But if you have it, you like still get to keep it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so insightful because I didn't understand that like emotions manifested in our body and caused us to be sick. And most of my practice focuses on finding your spiritual roots to kind of pull them out so you can be liberated and walk into freedom. And, it, and to me, it all makes sense and it's all powerful. And in fact, in many ways, I feel like God prepared me for COVID-19 last year because I was very sick last year and doctors didn't know what I was was wrong with me. I was on my way to some of the bigger hospitals. And quite frankly, I didn't feel like doing all that. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of time. It's just overwhelming. And so I got focused on healing myself and utilizing some of the things that Louise Hay has led to and some of the things that I've discovered in just the word and figuring out where the issues are. And it helped me also to see that when you have this amount of downtime, it's actually an amazing opportunity for you to work on yourself, for you to see where do I need to reconcile with myself, with others, with my God? Where do I need to get back and operating from love and not fear? Because what we can essentially say from all those thought leaders is fear is what creates sickness and disease, not love. When you're in love, like operating in love, your body works in harmony. And I think it's interesting too, because a lot of the times I think psychotherapy or counseling or even coaching or any of that mental health well-being doesn't work because we're not bringing in the spirit, right? We're mind, body, and spirit. And Louise Hay does that, right? Our limbic brain is really, really important in controlling our body, but our limbic brain works on thought. So if you're having negative thoughts, that's going to be about your spirit and your soul, not just your soul and your body. And so we have to figure out where are we out of alignment? Where are we more in that fear area? And what are we doing that can help us get insight to that fear within us? And then let's find ways to pull that weed out once we're clear on what it is and then plant something more amazing and loving in its place. You know, Elizabeth, I just love having you on this show. You're such an expert. You know, you. I'm going to dub you the mindset expert. <laughs> oh, thank you. I receive it. <laughs> what you share just it so clearly defines, I think, what so many of us are feeling. And you've given us such great answers 
on this podcast today as to how we can deal with things that are going on in the world right now. I want to ask what's going on in your world right now. Is there anything, any programs you have going on, anything that you'd like to promote? We just released the Victor Transformation Program in March. We were a little behind due to technology. Gotta love technology. Such a blessing and such a curse some days. (laughs) And um, yeah, that program's still going well. We're keeping the discounted price out because of COVID because, you know, what else do you have got to do? So it's called the Victor Transformation Program. Can they find that on your website? Yes, they can. Or they can just go to elizabethlewis.com slash thrive. Okay. Elizabeth Lewis, that's L-O-U-I-S dot com slash thrive for the Victor Transformation Program, which is super exciting. I just love saying those words. Just saying those words is powerful. Yes, yes. You know, people ask me, how did I get the mindset I have now and the positivity and the enjoyment? And this program is a step-by-step guide of how I did that because I had a horrible childhood. I went through a lot of violence, a lot of abuse, a lot of sexual abuse, pretty much anything you can think of. I feel like I've gone through it. I don't know. And so I understand what it's like to be a victim. I understand what it's like to have negative thinking and to be toxic, but more importantly, to want to get away from it, to just get freedom. So this program is a six module program that's self-paced that helps individuals renew their mind and recalibrate, but also pull those weeds out and let their hearts and their soul and their spirit heal because that's what it's about. It's healing yourself. Oh, thank you so much, Elizabeth. That really is what it's about is healing yourself. So I look forward to having you back on the show as our expert again in a few months. Uh, Yeah. We'll recap things. Thank you so much for being with us today, Elizabeth. That's elizabethlewis.com. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to become an internationally certified Heal Your Life teacher and coach, please visit thetraining.ca. To be a guest on the show and share your story, please visit victoriajohnson.org. Thank you so much for joining us.